you're not here with us in the sanctuary, we welcome you online. And uh, we're saying hello to uh, Thailand and Vietnam and Canada and other places around the world that's uh, checking this thing out. We appreciate you far and near. So um, let's jump right into this thing. I'm going to open us up with prayer, and you can find Ephesians chapter number 2 if you want to. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this great night. Thank you for this wonderful church. Thank you for everybody here and everybody that joins us online throughout the week. Uh, Father, help me to teach this. Lord, uh, help us to understand and to learn and to know what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen and amen, amen and amen. So, Ephesians chapter 2. Last week, we started a new series entitled Training the Inner Man. Um, and what this is, uh, is a follow-up series from, from our last one uh, where we taught uh, uh, the complete and total salvation in Christ. And during that series, we learned uh, two, just here's two of those foundational truths that we saw. Number one, Jesus did not partially save us. Amen? Amen. He didn't do a half a work. He did a, a full work. Second, Jesus promised that nothing would separate us from his love. Uh, just like us as parents. Um, we can't get separated from our children. We don't hate our children. And he doesn't hate us. So, um, if Jesus did not partially save us, and second, if he did promise, which he did, that nothing would separate us from his love, here is the only other truth we can live by in accordance with, with our salvation. Look at um, Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 4. We're going, we're going to answer here in just a little bit the number one question we got from the last series that we did. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 4, here is the only truth that we can live by according to our salvation. Verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now listen, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I'm going to read verse 8 and 9 again. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So, here was the number one question we got and it's a good, good, solid question. If, if people had not asked this question, I would 
have accused them of not listening to us at all. So here was the natural question folks was asking dur during our last series. They, they would say to me, they would say to Pastor Brent, are you saying then, since Jesus didn't do a partial salvation, if we're fully saved, that we can just live any way we want to? What did Paul say about that? Somebody, somebody help me out. God forbid. Yeah, Paul said we can't do that. Nobody's saying that we can live any way we want to live. So therefore, in this series, Training the Inner Man, we are delving into the question, now that I'm saved, how should I live? Hmm? If, if we're not saying, well, now that you're saved, you can live any way you want to, the question remains, how should I, now that I'm totally, completely saved, how should I live? Now, I made this statement last week in, in the opening of this series. The condition the enemy has trained the church to operate in is being comfortable with doing nothing while believing that questioning our relationship with God is faithful religion. Hmm? Um, I, I have been around a lot of churches in my days where uh, if, if somebody is secure in their salvation, I mean positively, totally secure in their salvation, people start to question and, and they say, well, they're not very humble, are they? They're just a, just a, a, a little bit confident. They, they need to watch. Pride goeth before a fall. They'll, they'll go in all this kind of stuff. So there is a mindset that we can get that questioning our relationship with God is faithful religion. So watch this. What if we change that Christian paradigm and we simply ask this question? Now that I've been given the gift of total salvation by grace and I have already been transferred to the kingdom of heaven, now what do I do? How should I live? How should I use this? How should I work this? This is a supernatural book. Okay, we're going to talk about that tonight. How should I live? Okay, everybody, everybody with me here? Petra, are you with me here? Okay. How, how should I live if I'm fully saved? This book is not uh, paper and ink and, and leather. This is a supernatural thing that I hold in my hands. Now watch this. It's the book of the kingdom of heaven. When, when we were born again, we were transferred over into the kingdom of heaven. Am I right or am I wrong? We were, we were transferred right in there. So this is the book of that kingdom that we were transferred into, okay? Um, it's not a man-made book. It's a book that has its origin in the kingdom of heaven. Um, here, is a, here is a basic theological truth. God never spoke, ever. Now, you all want to throw something at me, don't you? 
God never spoke. God is speaking. That's a solid theological truth. God never said anything. He is saying everything. If you, if you look some of the study notes you'll have, um, even in the words of Jesus, it doesn't say he said, it, is, it says he is saying. Okay? Because it's, the book is alive and it's speaking all the time. Uh, Dr. Ralph Earl said this, The Bible may be considered the Word of God the same way Jesus is the Son of God, called by John the Word. Jesus is the Word of God incarnate. You know what incarnate means? It means he was, he was put in human flesh, became a living being. Jesus is the Word of God incarnate in human nature. The Bible is the Word of God incarnate in human literature. So it's alive. It's breathing. Watch. When you hold this book in your hand, you're holding a living, breathing life that breathes God's voice. Here, here's something that um, you, can, you can just hold your place because I've, I've done this a dozen times in here, but, but let me show you something here. Um, here's the very core, the very heartbeat of this book. In Mark 4, chapter 11, Jesus saying, and Jesus was saying to them, to you have been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, outside of the kingdom, they get everything in parables. So here's, here's what Jesus is saying. His disciples came to him and they said, why do you always teach in parables? Why do you do that? And he said, because what he's saying is this, what I'm saying, this book that, that will be written is for the kingdom. And the kingdom will be able to understand it by the Spirit of God. Those who are not in the kingdom will only see this book as parables. You, you see? Um, I want to challenge you tonight. If, if, if we're completely, totally free in Christ... Then how if but yet if we just can't live any way we want to because we're kingdom people, how should we live? Okay, um, Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. I went over that a lot. Anybody remember Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine? Let me let me just I'll, I'll quote. Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine says this: the secret things belong to the Lord. But when those things are revealed to us, then they belong to us. Okay? Those outside the kingdom of God cannot understand that stuff. It comes supernaturally. It comes by the Spirit of God. Now, now watch. Here's the truth 
of Mark 4.11. He said, he said, those outside the kingdom see this book as, as a book of parables, okay? But to you, to those who have the Spirit of God, you have been given the ability to understand these things. So watch this, watch. Number one, those who do not become a student of the Bible will never have the promise of Deuteronomy 29.29. Somebody tell me what Deuteronomy 29.29 says. Go ahead, louder if you would. Okay, the secret things belong to the Lord, but when they're revealed to us, then they belong to us, okay? Those who do not, those of the kingdom, because outside the kingdom, they just see the book as a bunch of parables. Those who do are in the kingdom and do not live in that book will never get the revelation of the secret things of God. Therefore, we won't have any of these things. Okay? Now watch. I, I want everybody to, to uh, look at somebody and say, he's going to talk about you right now. Okay? <laughs> now watch. This, this is painful. Without a steadfast attendance to the Bible... Mark 4.11 will reveal to us as considering God's Word just a book of parables. What if we treated this living, breathing, alive book like the world did? Hmm? Come on. We're going to get deep into this thing. Go to uh, Revelation chapter number 10. Revelation chapter 10. I want to, I want to show you something here. It's going to, should awake us to a, a, a tremendous understanding. The, this book isn't what God said. It's what he's saying, present right now, okay? In, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, I think, it says, And all things are held together by the power of his word. And here's what theologians will tell you. If God stops speaking, chaos comes back. Hmm? If God stops speaking, the sun stops shining. The earth goes into darkness. Chaos would begin to reign. Look at this. Books are very important in the kingdom of heaven. There's the Lamb's Book of Life there. It, it just, you know, so many books it, it talks about in the Bible. Look at Revelation chapter 10, verse number 1. John says, I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven, clothed with a cloud, and the rainbow was upon his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. 
And he had in his hand a little book which, he was, uh, uh, which was open. He placed his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. Now watch, catch this. And when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. Okay? Now go to uh, verse number 8. Then the voice, remember back here he said the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. Then the voice which I had heard from heaven, I heard again speaking with me and saying, Go take the book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel telling him to give me the little book. And he said to me, take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will taste sweet as honey. I took the little book out of the angel's hand and I ate it. And in my mouth it was sweet as honey. And when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And they said to me, the seven voices that spoke. And they said to me, you must prophesy again concerning many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Now, the voices, the seven voices spoke to John. Go to Revelation chapter number 4. Remember, we call this deep dive for a reason. Amen? Amen. Revelation chapter number 4. Look at verse 5. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. Now get this. Which are the seven spirits of God. I thought there was only one spirit of God. Hmm? Emily knows. She's heard this before. Revelation chapter number 5, verse number 6. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now, if you're up to speed with Emily, she knows I'm going to turn to Isaiah chapter number 11. Isaiah chapter number 11. How many of me are there? Bob would say one, thank God. There's only one of me. But if you talk to Maisie and River, they'll say, that's my grandpa. If you'll talk to Jody, she'll say, that's not my grandpa, that's my husband. If you would talk to my mother and father before they passed away, they would say, he's not a grandpa, he's not our husband, he's our kid. Well, there's three of me right there, but there's only one of me, okay? There's only one Holy Spirit, okay? But in Revelation, we see that there are seven voices that speak in the heavens. Seven spirits of God that speak in the heavens. We also saw in Revelation that those seven speaking voices 
are sent out into the world to minister. Who would they minister to? Isaiah chapter number 11, verse number 1. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, that was David's father, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. Now we're talking about Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. How many Holy Spirits are there? One. One. How many facets of the Holy Spirit does it say there is in Revelation? Seven. Okay, watch. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Now we're talking about Jesus. A spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, a spirit of counsel, a spirit of strength, a spirit of knowledge, a spirit that fears the Lord, and a spirit that will cause you to delight in the fear of the Lord. It's the seven spirits that Revelation is talking about that is sent out into the world to minister, okay? Now, because Jesus was baptized with the seven facets of the Holy Spirit, look what it says in the second part of verse 3. And he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. Listen to me. How much better would we be if we knew this book? And we allowed the seven facets of the Holy Spirit to minister to us day by day would we start operating in this life not by what our eyes see nor what our ears hear, but what the Holy Spirit is saying to us? Somebody say amen. amen. Now watch. Ha have you ever... Um, have you ever wished that God would just come down and speak to you? You ever, you ever wish that? Um, because because the Bible is a living book it's a living, breathing supernatural life and it has the voice the seven voices of the Holy Spirit ministers out of this book. Watch. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Here's why I say you need a paper Bible. There are two things you need. Number one, you need a paper Bible. Number two, you need to get it out from underneath the coffee table. Okay? Could somebody say amen right there? Okay. Let me show you something here. When I read this, I understand before I ever pick it up, Jeff, that, that the Holy Spirit is living in here. And He's speaking from this book. Right now, He is speaking from this book. And when I enter this book, He's speaking 
directly to me. Now watch. I wanted to show you this. I wrote down and marked just a couple places that I remember God specifically speaking to me in this book. I can go back to this book and I can look at these notes, I can look at these highlights and go, that's when God talked to me. I remember going through that and I remember what he said because I marked it down in there. These were times I had conversations with God the Father. I mean, how should we then live if we really are kingdom people, huh? The question, can, can we just live any way we want to? Why do you think Paul said, God forbid? Man, we are kingdom people. Mm. I want to look just boom, boom, boom. Three great truths about this Word of God. Go, go over to uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. I am praying that after tonight you will make a decision that every day you can, you're going to pick up this book and talk to God because His voice is in this book. His voice speaks out of this book. So here's the first truth. The Bible is breathed out by the Holy Spirit and was given to men to write down. Theologians call them hagiographers, okay? Here's what a hagiographer does. The Holy Spirit didn't say, Renee, get your pen and paper and write this. And, oh, get that word right. And he said, no. The Holy Spirit spoke to Renee. And then what a hagiographer does is put down what somebody told them, but it's got their personality in it. Simple as that. It's not specifically a word for word. Usually prophecy is. But other than that, it's just somebody telling what somebody told them. That's, that's a hagiographer, okay? So the Bible is breathed out by the Holy Spirit and given to men to write down. Now, watch. We, we've been doing a deep dive concerning our righteousness in Christ. So here's the first answer to the question, are we saying that we can live any way we want to? No, because Jesus said, I came to give you life, and I came to give it to you what? In, in abundance. So here is why, watch, here is why as, as a saint, look, I want to show you this, I want to show you this. As a saint, are you saint? You is or you isn't. Yep. You is or you ain't. Jesus didn't save you partial. He doesn't do that. He either saved you 
or he didn't save you. And if he didn't save you, then you need to acknowledge him and get saved. Okay? So if, if you're saved, the Bible says you are a saint of God. Okay? Now watch. Here's why. The question, then how should we live? Watch this. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is inspired, that word means God-breathed, by God, and profitable, watch, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, listen to this, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Training in righteousness. Now, those that think the the Bible is a book of the law for Christians says, well, what he's saying there is we need to read this book so it can show us uh, how to do things to make us righteous. Jesus made us righteous. Yeah, he is our righteousness, okay? Paul said this. He said, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So what the, the Bible is for is to train us in that righteousness. You see? We, we don't read this to get righteous. We read this to train in the ways of righteousness. Okay? Um, Go, go to uh, Romans, chapter number 4. Oh, I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Here's a second. Number one, the Bible was breathed by the Holy Spirit, was given to men to write down. Here's the second truth. The Bible was written for us who believe. It was written for us who believe. This book has caused more murders than and wars than anything in human history. Men and women have given their life to get this book to us. And it was written for those in the kingdom. It was written for those who are righteous in Christ. Now watch. Um, he's speaking about the faith of Abraham. Romans chapter 4. Look at verse number 22. Talking about Abraham. Therefore, talking about he, he believed God. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. That he was a picture of what we believe in Christ. And it's credited to us as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Now, watch this. Hmm. Jesus said this, these parables are specifically for us, okay? 
wouldn't it be a terrible, terrible thing if we took this book that was written for us that God lives and breathes in and we treated it like it was just a book of parables, like it was a book of stories, like it wasn't important one bit whatsoever. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Are you, are you getting any of this? Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. Or, no, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Here's the first truth. The Bible is breathed by the Holy Spirit and given to men to write down. Here's the second truth. The Bible is written for us who believe. It is for us. Here's the third truth. Every Christian, every Christian, every Christian is given the Holy Spirit so we can understand this book. Mm, I like that. Every Christian is given the Holy Spirit. Paul said this. He said, who knows the things of God except the Spirit of God? Okay? So, let me retranslate, Galen. Who knows the mind of Galen except the Spirit of Galen? But if I take, could take the Spirit out of Galen and put his spirit in Renee, she would know the mind of Galen. So God took his spirit and put it in us. So when we read the book of the kingdom, we're reading it right along with God, you see? Okay. Here's the third truth. Every Christian is given the Holy Spirit to understand the Word of God. Here, here's what unspiritual men, you'll, you'll hear some of them in the church, because we can be in the church and be unspiritual. Amen? Here's what unspiritual men say about the Word of God. Uh, look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 9. But just as it is written, things which eye has seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for them who love him. They'll say, well, brother, you know, you just can't understand Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, what's in the heart of God. Unspiritual men say that. But here's the truth for the Christian man or woman. Verse 10. For to us, or but for us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now watch this, watch this. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. 
That's the purpose of the Word of God, so that we may know the things that are freely given to us. And we're saying to each other things like, I don't know what we're going to do. Hmm? Now watch. Um, verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit. So we combine spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Where do we get those spiritual words? So we combine spiritual thoughts with spiritual words and we know what we have freely been given in Christ. And I repeat Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things held back from the world belong to God. But when they're revealed to us, they belong to to us. Amen? Okay, now watch. I want you to go. I got time. I'll do this real quick. I want you to go to John chapter number four. John chapter number four. Jesus is traveling through Samaria and he stops at a well. Now, normally, we focus on there was a Gentile woman there. Jesus reveals who he is, and she goes and becomes the first female evangelist. You know, that's, that's a famous teaching, and it does apply. But I want you to note which well Jesus met this woman at. Look at John chapter 4, verse number 4. And Jesus had to pass through Samaria... So he came to the city of Samaria called Sychar, near the partial of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being weary from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now, biblically, water generally represents words. Okay? Um, even uh, Paul said we're washed in the water of the word, okay? So uh, water compares to the word, whether it be man's word or, or God's word. Um, here's, here's an example. Uh, you, you, if you're real quick, you can go to it. I'm going to go to second. Hold your place there. I'm going to go to Second Chronicles um, 32, and I'll show you this real, real quick. Second Chronicles 32. Um, so, um, let me go through this real quick. I don't want to run out of time. Second Chronicles 32, verse number 1. After these acts of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and besieged the fortified cities and thought to break into them for himself. Let me, let me give you a paraphrase. After Jeff was as faithful as he could in the things of God, the enemy decided he was going to sack his house and take everything he had and take everything Jeff had away from him. Got it? 
Now when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come, that he intended to make war in Jerusalem, he decided with his officers and warriors to cut off the supply of water. What's the most precious thing over there? Water. Okay? So um, they, they got all the people together, and they stopped up all the wells. They, they filled the walls in. They stopped up all the streams. Okay? Um, so the great line out of this, look at verse 4. So many people assembled and stopped up all the springs. Now watch. Watch. Um, many people. Everybody. The church faces a situation. You've got 50 people in the church going, it's never going to work. I don't know what we're going to do. you got 50 people on the other side of the church going, let's go forward. We're going to believe for this. We've heard from God. You see? It, all the people came together. Now watch, watch what they agreed on. Verse 4. So many people assembled and stopped up all the springs in the stream which flowed through the region. Here's what they said. Now what does water represent in the Bible? Words, okay? Whether it be our words or God's word. Now watch. Flowing through the region saying, why should the king of Assyria, the enemy, why should the kings of Assyria come and find abundant water? Do you know what the enemy wants when he tries to invade your house? He wants your water. He wants your words. He wants you to say Things like, I don't know what I'm going to do. He wants you to say things like, all is lost. Here's what he really wants you to say. I guess this whole faith thing just doesn't work for me. You know what you're doing? You're feeding his army. You are feeding him your water. Hmm? You need to remember under every attack, why should the enemy come? and find an abundance of my water in this situation. Hmm? Come on. Amen. Okay, now watch. Um, the, the, the wedding at, at Cana, here's, here's the opposite side. This was an, an example of human words. Uh, the wedding at uh, Cana um, uh, in Galilee, uh, they ran out of wine. Wine is a picture of what? Somebody tell me. Holy Spirit. So, um, they ran out of wine. So, what did Jesus, without going through a whole big long thing on this, what did Jesus tell the attendees to put in the earthen vessels? Water. Water. What came back out? Wine. Here's what he was showing. You put the water of the word in earthen vessels and moves of the Holy Spirit will come back out. Mm. Glory to God. And where are we going to get those words? Where are we going to get that knowledge? How? So Jesus using a well as a picture of a source of water. Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman, and she says, give me a drink. He said, if you knew who I was, I could have you drink from water you did not know about. Mm. 
And he was at Jacob's well. Jacob's well represents the source of the world's information. He offered her the living water of the word. Hmm. Are, are you at John 4? Look at verse number 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks from this water, Jacob's, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will come up out of him and become a well of water springing up to eternal life. Now watch. Here's an important question. How weak do you think the church would become if we started drinking out of both wells at the same time? Someday we're just taking the world's information and running with it. Some days we find our Bible under the coffee table and we read it. And Have you ever, watch, have you ever just picked up your Bible or, or you're in here on a Sunday and have you ever seen anybody, we're sitting here and the pastor reads a scripture and you, and you see him do this, you get their pen out or their highlighter out and they're, they're just writing something down here. You know what that means? God just spoke to them. The living Holy Spirit, they just looked at that book and had a God encounter. You see? Mm. Wow. Here's the earmarks of a church when we begin to drink from the world's well instead of the well of the kingdom. Number one, we're going to have to begin to change what God says to fit us. Hmm? Two, we'll be, have to convince ourselves that wrong is now okay. See, we're living in a society, we're living in a lot of churches today. What used to be wrong is now right. So that means that what was wrong, God changed his mind and is now right. Hmm? And lastly, we're going to have to believe that God doesn't care how we live. And he does. God does. We are righteous. And here's the worst part of all. If we do not communicate with the voice of God in this book, we won't even know that we're living in rebellion to God. Hmm? Here is the most challenging question the church will have to answer in every generation. Look at verse 12. She said, the Samaritan woman said to Jesus, you are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Hmm? If I'm not allowing this alive, breathing book to speak to me every day, 
then I've got to question which well am I drinking from every day. You see? Here's, I'm going to close with this. Here is the question that we have been asked, and rightfully so. It's a great question during this series. Well, how should we live then? If we can't live any way we want to, how should we live? Here's what Jesus promised to those who will make this book of the kingdom the source of truth for their lives. Verse 14. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give them would never thirst again. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well that springs up and brings eternal life with it. Either literally or mentally, I want you to hold your Bible in your hand. What you see here is the book of heaven. This is the book of the kingdom. And it is alive and it's breathing right now with the seven voices of the Holy Spirit. It was written for you. To the lost world, it's just an old book full of parables. But to those who understand, they can open this book and read these words and literally hear the voice of God speaking. So my question is, what will you do with this book? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this class. Thank you for everybody that joined us online. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that we will be compelled by Holy Spirit to get in this word every day and listen and even get a pen out and mark down all the times you spoke to us, Lord, so that we can go back in this book and hear your voice again and be reminded that you spoke personally to us on that day and gave us our promises in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen and amen. Thank you.